1: Welcome back in. You are listening to the June 15, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions and brought to you by the FFPC, the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz, and of course the writer of the in-season weekly Dynasty Watch, winner of the 2017 writing contest, and much more on the site. Welcome back on the show, John Lipinski. You can find him on the tweets at FF underscore skeeball. Great to have you back on the show, man. What's good?
2: Uh, Nothing much. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's always our pleasure here. Good to be back with you. I know
0: we talked a little bit, uh Love a good deal. Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
1: Right before the, the end of uh twenty seventeen. So uh really get some great topics here that we can kinda carry back in as we're uh, Talking about dynasty trades, team outlooks, player outlooks, offseason prep, you name it. John, man, before we dive right in, this offseason, a couple things have really stood out to me from your timeline. One, of course, is your undying love for Marcus Mariota this year. You recently wrote why he's primed for a post-hype breakout. Give us your pitch, why he's being undervalued, and why you're overexposed in best ball drafts this year.
2: Sure, you know, I mean, I've always been a Mariota fan, and, you know, being uh, completely honest here, I drafted a lot of him last year, too, and that, that didn't turn out so hot, because <laughs> he actually had a pretty uh, crappy year, but the reason I was drafting him last year is his first two seasons, if you look at him, you know, I went back and used the the viz screener, which, you know, is just an amazing tool to, to go on there and really sort through stats, that um his first two seasons, basically, if you look at him, and, and the screener goes back to the year 2000, that in his first two years... Nobody scored more fantasy points per game than him, other than two other players, and it was only Cam Newton and Robert Griffin. That was it. End of the list. None of these other guys, you know, all these other great quarterbacks and stuff like that, in their first two years, nobody had more points per game than Mariota did, other than those two guys. So I mean, he had, you know, he got injured the one year. Well, he got injured both years technically, but he missed like four games his first year and just a game and a half his second year or whatever. I mean, he basically, you know, had these really a superstar start to his career but because he got injured a little bit it kind of flew under the radar and then you know everybody was expecting big things last year and it just went in the shitter you know um uh, he threw 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions so his interceptions were way up his touchdowns were way down um and he just he just had a you know really shit the bed but the, the titans entire offense did I mean, and really, you had the exotic smash mouth in there. I mean, <laughs> everybody hated exotic sm- smash mouth, that uh, Malarkey was probably one of the most maligned coaches out there. And you can look at the fact that, I mean, I can't think of a coach, I mean, tell me if you can, that a coach is coaching a team for two years, and then takes them, you know, winning record both years, takes them to the playoff, wins a game, and then gets fired afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's kind of unprecedented, right? Like, I can't think of, in recent memory, a coach who did that and then, like, just got chick that quick. So um, I think that tells you all you need to know about, you know, how they felt, you know, that they were really winning in spite of Malarkey and his offense, you know, not, not because of it. So even though Mariota, you know, he had these great two years with Malarkey there originally, you know, I think it was kind of in spite of him, rather than because of him. You know that they, they ran all these two wide receiver sets. They they had these condensed power formations, which which nobody really does anymore. You know, everybody in the NFL is trying to pass and spread it out. Meanwhile, the Titans are just you know telegraphing every play, you know, and, and doing all these power run things. I I think that um, you know, with him gone, Lafleur from uh, the Rams coming over. Who, you know, I mean, obviously Sean McVay gets most of the credit, but you know, Lafleur was an offensive coordinator over there, and now he's coming over, and he was the fast. They were the fastest-paced team in the first half and in uh, neutral situations last year. The Rams were. So overall, their pace wasn't that high because in the second half they had huge leads and they were like slow as shit. They were just running the ball constantly, but when they had the neutral situation, when they were trying to get the lead, they ran. Very, very fast place. So now he's coming over to the Titans to take that over. And I think he's really going to help, you know, just push Mariota forward to the, you know, give him that volume he needs because he's never even had a lot of volume. And he still finished on a QB1 pace, you know, the first two years of his career. Now you're going to give him that volume, you know, more volume, faster offense, uh, and theoretically a better offense. And I, I think he just has the potential to explode, you know, and, and easily be like a top five guy if things break right.
1: Craig, how are you going to get fired on your day off? Malarkey, how are you going to get fired when you want to play off game? Only in the NFL can exotic smash mouth not be so exotic and just completely <laughs> crush the fantasy value of all the assets in there. I'm I'm agreeing with you 100% across the board here. Now, John, something else you did here, uh, you took over the tight end model on uh, this year for, for RV Nation here. Uh, who are a couple guys that you got on your radar that somebody might not be looking at and then, of course, kind of piggyback into uh, Greg Olson. This is a guy that, of course, got injured a little bit last year, too, kind of fell off the the radar, and now it looks like he's on your draft board as well.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the model really liked uh, Mike Gusecki. I mean, he's an obvious one. Everybody's on him. He's the first guy going in drafts. Hated Hayden Hurst. I mean, uh, you know, not only was he old, but he was not that good for being as old as he was. You know, he, he had decent market share numbers but not great. Decent speed score, but not great. Didn't do well on the bench press. So he's a fade for me. You know, Mark Andrews is on people's radar, but I I take him over Hayden Hurst. And Hurst is currently going ahead of him. That um, I think redraft wise for this season, you know, Hurst will probably get more of the work. But then when it comes down to it, that Andrews, you know, ultimately in the long run is going to be the more valuable pass catching asset there. Maybe even as soon as this year. You know, it's it's entirely possible he, he... Takes him over this year because Baltimore likes running these two tight end sets. So, um, you know, if he's on the field and he's getting open, he might get more targets. Uh, As far as a deep dive there, there's not really, like, the gems there were in last year's class um, where you had, like, Jonu Smith who was, like, a little bit later but the the model really loved. But um, uh, there's Chris Herndon on the Jets kind of interests me. And he he screwed it up a little bit because he got a DUI recently, I think. So that puts a little bit of a damper on it. But he's a guy that fared well in the model, wasn't particularly great at any one thing, but, but was kind of good across the board. And when you look at the Jets, I mean, there's not a whole lot of tight end competition. you got Clive Walford, who flamed out in Oakland. You've got uh, Jordan Leggett, who's going into his second year, but really hasn't done anything. So, um, you know, I think Herndon's one of those guys that's being kind of ignored, but could emerge as, you know, a solid you know, low-end TE1 somewhere in his career down the line. You know, I, I'm i not expecting much this year just because I'm not expecting much from any rookie tight ends. But, uh, you know, he, he's looking like he could be kind of good. Um, The only other one uh, rookie there, Ian Thomas, you know, he's going to be stuck behind Greg Olson for a while. But the model, you know, he, he passed the 15% threshold in the model. Dallas Goddard obviously looks good, but he's going to be stuck behind Zach Ertz. Uh, so you got a couple of guys that were a little more interesting, but you know the, their opportunity just is not there. Uh, the, the one only other guy, uh, Jordan Akins, with the Texans, he's another old guy, kind of like Hayden Hurst. But you know Hurst, whereas he's expensive, Akins is a lot cheaper. So um, you know, even though I don't love Akins, he's one of those guys where, hey, with the opportunity he's going to have, you know, he's cheap enough to take a shot on that. You might as well. Um, as far as Olsen goes. When I looked at olson, he basically his a d p is uh later than it was any time in the past four years, but all of the past four years he's had like a twelve percent win rate in m f l 10s, basically you know other than last year obviously when he got injured but um the three years before that that he's he's really just had some uh some really good years where he's you know outperformed his a d p so all he really needs to do is kind of return to form of where he was before this injury now. He's got some additional competition. You got DJ Moore there. Um, this is going to be his first year playing with Christian McCaffrey there. Um, so there's there's more competition for targets. New offensive coordinator, but North Turner does like throwing to tight ends. Uh, so th- there's some risk there. There's not. It's not like 100. percent Yeah, you know he can pick up right where he left off. But th- the quarterback hasn't changed. You know I think Cam Newton likes throwing to him. I think he's still going to get his. And even if his stats kind of take a dip from where he was back in 2016, uh, you know, his ADP is a little bit later, too. Uh, You know, even if he doesn't give you a 12% win rate, maybe it's a 10% win rate. I just think he's one of those safe picks. And, uh, you know, Rotodoc has showed in the past that, you know, the two tight end one strategy is is a very uh, good strategy to take these two early tight ends. And I feel like he's just a guy that is a safe pick within that strategy of, hey, He's gonna get the targets, he's gonna score points, and he's not overly expensive. You're not you're not spending the first two or three rounds on like a Kelsey or Gronk, which I'm fine with those guys too, but you know, if I'm not going with those guys, you know, he's he's usually sitting there for me where I can get him cheap.
1: With you across the board on Greg Olson and the likes of some of those rookies there. Um, I just like the situation for tight ends down there in Carolina. I have not left a rookie draft without snagging Ian Thomas as my last pick. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, no, I don't want to draft a tight end because you can buy them cheaper before they actually start producing. But if you're in a deep dynasty, Ian Thomas is definitely somebody that I just want for the situation. Um, you know, if Olsen does go down or if he does perhaps tend to kind of um, go downward a little bit, but uh, across the board there. And this is the type of good stuff. You're going to get over there on RotoVis.com. Check out the tight end model. Check out the post hype uh, Marcus Mariota piece and everything else. All the tools that help us research this, you can get for 30% off right now if you go over to RotoVis NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage RotoVis.com/slash/podcast. Do that. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also supports this pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the RotoVis channel on iTunes. Do that you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league hosted by our friends over the FFPC go to iTunes leave a review with your name in it and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner also if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the his writers and podcasters email us rotovisradio at gmail.com we'll go ahead and get that set up for you if you're a fan of the show and you want to sub directly to the feed that's the fantasy football Mailbag feed. Do so. It takes hard work getting the show out every week. Do us a solid and hit that rate button. And, of course, if you have any questions you want answered on the show, hit us up by email, to radio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that going for you as well. All right, John, let's go ahead and dive in, fire up some of these cuckoos for the week. Here we go, Dynasty. I know, <laughs> here we go, the aforementioned exotic smash mouth is gone from Tennessee, but what does that mean for overall pass volume? I have shares of both Johnny Smith, Tyron Taylor, and I'm wondering if either uh, can actually break out this year or are both really just kind of uh, puff pieces we love to talk about for another year.
2: Yeah, so I think, um, like I said, getting rid of Exox Smash Mouth is fantastic. <laughs> but uh, the pace is going to increase for sure. LaFleur is coming over. And, you know, he ran a fast-paced offense there in the Rams and only slowed down when they had a big lead. Now, I actually think that the Titans' defense is underrated, too. They've been one of my big targets in best ball. You know, they picked up Malcolm Butler. They've got some other guys coming back healthy, some other guys they brought in. And, um, you know, I I think they're actually going to be sneaky good, but probably not as good as the Rams were last year. So I'd expect that, um, you know, you're going to see a higher pace, um, you know, so even if they don't necessarily pass a whole lot more than what they were doing, which which they should pass some more, you're just going to have more plays by default. And you're going to have more plays because I, I just expect the offense to be better so they'll stay on the field more. So um, even if their like, percentage of passing doesn't go up a ton, I, I think you're just going to see more plays overall, and that, that's going to help the volume there. Uh, as far as Johnny Smith goes, it's tough because, you know again, young tight end behind a guy in Delaney who – uh, you know, has been just, he's been basically their, their top receiver there for years now. And I, I can't really see that changing too much this year. You know, they might get John on the field some, but, uh, you know, unless there's an injury to Delaney, I, I don't think it's happening here in 2018. Now, Delaney's contract is up at the end of the year, but we've seen these older tight ends just kind of hang on forever at this point. So, I mean, I could see him resigning there for a couple more years, similar to what Greg Olson just did in Carolina. Um, but you never know. So, I mean, it's tough because I, I do love Jonu, but, like, in shower leads, he might just be a roster clogger at this point. Take uh, Taylor, on the other hand, he's, um you know, his big problem last year was they ran so, so many of these two wide receiver sets. He, he was on the field most of the time. That should change here. The Rams actually ran the most three wide receiver sets of anybody last year. So if LaFleur is going to replicate that over in Tennessee, then there's no reason that Taylor shouldn't be on the field the majority of snaps now. Uh, and, you know, once he's on the field, you know, he's going to have a chance to make plays. So I, I think he's actually a good sneaky play this year just because he should see a lot more snaps and should have a lot more opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Generally, with the breakout, we're not expecting him to break out entirely you'd like to see some previous production first but i mean it's literally a new offensive concept that's going to you know bring more of the three wide receiver sets into play there so i'm with you there uh the next one here redraft should i have cold feet on gronk this year given the substantiation of the gronk trade rumors i don't think for a second they trade him now but is there a chance that all of this added turmoil means the pats just aren't quite the pats and is gronk uh, maybe more focused on landing his next movie or rapping career. So we got a bunch of narrative built into the question here. But, I mean, it, it's now without some sort of substance, right? So what say you? For me,
2: I think that Gronk was positioning for a new contract. Nobody has any way to know for sure. I think that a lot of that drama is real. There's too much smoke not to be fire, that there's clearly some drama with ownership, Brady, Gronk, whatever the hell's going on there. But at the same time, I think that he's looking to get paid. You know, he's trying to negotiate, you know, some more incentives into his contract at least, or maybe an extension. Um, All the stuff about him quitting to become a wrestler. I actually went and looked up what the top wrestlers make, and it's not as much as what Gronk makes. So if you're Gronk's agent, if you're, I think his agent's Rosenhaus, right? So um, if, if you're him, you're telling Gronk, look, like, you've got a limited number of years you can play football. You know, finish playing football, make that money, get done with that, and then you can go wrestle. You know, I mean, the, the, the wrestling your lifestyle, hell, those guys travel for... a lot. They, <laughs> uh, you know, th- their bodies get beat up too. Mm-hmm. You know, is it really that much better to go do that for less money? Yeah, I don't know. So m- my money's on him, you know, saying, hey, you know, I got a little bit more earning potential here. Playing a few more years. I actually just bought him in a dynasty league. Uh, I think that, you know, he's a guy I'm holding now and, you know, hoping that, you know, Maybe sometime in the next month he signs an extension.
1: Yep, uh, very good. Uh, your best and worst purchase you've ever made, John.
2: So I'm gonna wrap this into one purchase, okay? So the best purchase I ever made was an engagement ring for my wife, okay? Because I oh, love my shucks. beautiful wife. You know, we've we've got a great family, great marriage now, um, for like nine years. Uh, it's also the worst purchase I ever made <laughs> because. Diamond rings there's a real diamond and real diamonds are, are bullshit they're overvalued it's artificially inflated prices and you've got these like crazy moral quandaries with them that they're you know human rights violations to acquire them I mean once you actually look into it it's like oh man like why, why am I buying this you know mm-hmm. like like you know there's more after the fact you know I was in my 20s I wasn't really thinking about all that stuff but then when you when you really look at it you see some of these documentaries on stuff it's like oh man like this is terrible. Like why would anybody ever buy a diamond? So, um guys, you know, if you younger guys out there, you know, if you're looking to propose or something, you know, go out, rent the movie Blood Diamond, stream it on whatever the hell streaming platform you got, or one of those documentaries, you know, about diamonds. You know, get get your girlfriend to watch it now. You know, you don't even have to like like talk about just be oh hey, I heard this was good. You know, don't don't talk about in the context of like a ring. Just you know, start planting the seeds now. Because ultimately, you want her to not want the diamond, because it's going to be a lot cheaper for you, and you're not going to be, you know, contributing to awful stuff going on, you know, by buying it. I remember and nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know the difference.
1: No, they, they won't. Well, I I don't know. I, I'm pretty, sh- pretty certain. In fact, I'm certain there is a subset. Of of women, including my wife, that, that will know, especially considering <laughs> Nicole, she she did ask me for an upgrade. I don't remember when it was. But then we got to sit down and, and talk about all the things we could actually do that uh, actually matter with that upgrade. But I don't know. I guess it's some sort of tradition that I'm going to end up having to do eventually. I'm not very happy about it, but, I mean, you know, what, what can you do here? But, I mean, yeah. uh, the next question is, is is uh the person is struggling, like I'm struggling with upgrading that ring here at the end of the first round. I want to go uh, double wide receiver, he says, more often than not, but then realizes uh, you can still net Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, A.J. Green on the way back in the second. When looking at the running backs, there's a good chance he's looking at two of uh, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, should he just uh, spread expo- uh, exposure there, or is there a better way to go?
2: I mean, I'm always kind of a fan of spreading exposure up in the, you know, like that early in the draft because y- you generally don't want to be too overexposed to anybody, you know, that, that I'm not, you know, splitting it entirely evenly. I, I do have my favorites, but, you know, you don't want to say, I'm going to hammer this guy every time that, uh you know, can really end up screwing you, especially, you know, uh, over the years, the l- Early draft slots have outperformed the later draft slots, so um, you're already playing behind the eight ball if you're drafting towards the end of the first round. There, I've been kind of going diversifying the players I take on my strategy. I've done two RBs there, I've done two wide receivers there, and sometimes it you know kind of depends who falls to me. You know, if, o- o- if Odell Beckham falls all the way to like the one eleven, I'm almost definitely taking him. Right, um, right. Sa- Saquon Barkley towards the beginning of the year was available at the end of the first. Now he's kind of not. A lot of the time he's available, you know, he's getting taken a decent amount earlier that of, of those three running backs, I'm probably the highest on Barkley and Gordon Fournette just concerns me a little bit because of um, he's not going to get as many targets, but he does have huge touchdown upside, obviously, like he, he was on pace for like 12 touchdowns last year if he didn't get injured. But, um, you know, if he, if he stays healthy, obviously he could, he could just score a shit ton of touchdowns. You know, Barkley's a little bit more of a, a wild card, and you can. S- I've seen people saying, "Oh, he's overdrafted." We are not what we're getting with him. But I remember Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year too. People were saying that that Zeke was getting overdrafted, and then he ended up smashing. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, you know, he's being drafted high, but there is a reason for it. Now, now, Barkley's not going to have the same offensive line Zeke had, but like he's going to get a lot more targets too. You'd have to assume. Mm-hmm. So, um. Uh, you know, I, I'm more more comfortable with him and Gordon probably. If I'm going through those uh, RBs, I, I do like Keenan Allen. I love AJ Green, Mike Evans. Um, I, I'm debating with him. I have some Mike Evans, but like, you know, he, he's actually lasting in some cases to like the early third I've seen. So, um, yeah, I'm looking I'll at him at go- the end
1: of the second here on a, in a couple ball drafts, and uh, it's remarkable that that he's there, right? It's like. I'm at here we are. I'm at two dot eight, and Mike Evans is on the board. And it, I mean, yeah, it, I'm pick two nine, right? If Mike Evans is still there, one more pick from now, I'm taking him.
2: Yeah, and I've seen him there. I've seen him, you know, early third, and I, I've seen AJ Green around there too. And you know, AJ Green had a pretty solid year last year, despite the Bengals just being god awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think he could be a great value again. So, so of those players listed, I'm probably lowest on Evans of the wide receivers and Fournette net of the running backs. But I do own some of each of those guys, just less than the other guys. And I think it's fine to diversify your players and even diversify the strategy there, too. That, I mean, obviously, you know, the RBs are flying off the board real quick. But, you know, wide receivers could bounce back a little bit this year. I, it, it's also fine to diversify and take one wide receiver, one running back. You know, it, it, I, I, I don't go in with any preconceived notions on these drafts. You know, I just go in and uh, see what looks best to me at the time. And, obviously, format matters, too. Draft where you have half PPR, you know, that kind of changes the equation a bit. You mentioned bounce
1: back. Uh, Coincidentally, I should say, the next question is about Indy, right? Um, Andrew Luck is throwing passes. We don't know entirely what that means yet. but um, So, I guess this is T.Y. Hilton here. Um, Are we all systems go? Uh, He's still kind of going in the late second, early third now. We're going to start seeing him move. So, um, are you moving with the ADP as it's it's going to increase. It, as camp goes on. T. Y. Hilton is gonna end up middle of the second at the at the latest here, so what what are your thoughts on Hilton here?
2: As far as Luck goes, I've always been of the opinion that he's gonna play this year, but there's a decent possibility he's not, you know, Andrew Luck. You know, he's he's not the guy he was exactly. You know, at least not this year. You know, I don't think like you know, his career's necessarily necessarily shot. You know, based on some of the stuff uh, Dr. Jeff on Rotoviz has written about it, you know, his injury, you know, kind of kind of implies like, hey, even if he does come back, he might not be 100%. And the fact that he, he just started throwing a ball, you know, leads you to believe, hey, you know, he might have to knock some rust off here. I, I'm pretty confident he's going to play at this point, you know, but I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was. I think T.Y. Hilton is probably accurately priced in the third right now um, if luck is healthy. His ADP is actually – looking at recently was kind of towards the end of the third. The shares I have of Hilton is when he's been like right at the end of the third or even slipped a little bit into the fourth. Oh, I think man. you're right though. He's he's going to go up now. So um, I don't know if I'd be taking him in the middle of the second if he goes up. Just because I don't trust that Luck is going to be you know necessarily like you know step right back to where he was. That being said I, I do like some of the other pieces of Colts offense that uh I've been buying some Ebron. You know Eric Ebron's yes. been going kind of late. Yes. Yes. Let's go. There's still a few of us truthers out there. (laughs) Um, The
1: dude is still young. As yeah, I mean the the guy's still young. It's not like he is completely sucked. Like I I mean this is the expectation when you try to tie in too early that young in the first round, right? I mean, gosh. And now if if luck is back and like you know, let's say he's let's say luck isn't all the way back. This is where I'm going to go full-blown narrative here. I mean, wouldn't he need somebody like Ebron to depend on? Well, that's when I guess you can say has Ebron ever let anybody depend on him? But
2: <laughs> he's freaking dirt cheap right now, and I'm just—that's the thing. He's so cheap. I mean, if if he was expensive, like if he was getting drafted, like you know, he was he was going to step right in there and 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 you know produce, then you know I'd have second thoughts. But at his current price, it's like, hey, like. You know the the t the, the tight ends get ugly pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know he's got that upside to like really produce like a top twelve tight end. So I mean you know he's worth taking a shot on where he's at right now. You know uh, the other wide receivers are all third cheap because nobody knows who the number two guy is going to be. You know they gave Ryan Grant a decent contract. I I, I actually wrote him up as a buy low this offseason, saying hey he's he's flying under the radar that Baltimore went out and you know I mean the whole thing turned into a joke when they um. You know, failed his physical and went and got Crabtree instead. But, you know, they were obviously willing to give him a pretty big contract. And then as soon as he came available again, you know, Indy swooped in and picked the guy up. So, I mean, there's something there. It's, it's you know, he's kind of overlooked and he's kind of a punchline because of what um, the Ravens did to him. But, I mean, there's still something there with the guy. They, they like him. They're paying him money. Um, you know, there's a chance he could step up and actually do something. You know, he was actually pretty efficient last year when you look at him. Uh, they've been talking of Chester Rogers for a while. I don't know. We'll see, you know. But I mean, again, either of these guys could step up and, and get some work. And then you got the rookies, Deion Kane or Doris Fountain. Fountain. I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, both of them are are you know guys that you know who knows. I I think Fountain's supposed to be a little bit more raw. He might be more of a Dino type guy, maybe not. You know, a best ball guy this year. Um, my biggest target on this offense is uh, Hines. There it is. You know, he he's still going like the twelfth and thirteenth. There's a big teardrop out. If you look at the ADPs of the running backs, after he goes off the board, there's like a two round gap basically, really, before like other guys really start getting picked. Um, so I've been ending up with a lot of him and, you know, he's the pass catch, he, you know, he's a pass catcher. So I mean, I think no matter you got an unsettled backfield, you got this guy who, you know, he was their top running back drafted here, um, this year. You know, you got a guy he ran super fast 40, he catches a lot of passes. I mean, he could be the Sears' Tariq Cohen. You know, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be that, or maybe even a little bit more. Um, you got some people on Jordan Wilkins. Uh, you know, he was drafted later. You know, uh, I don't know if he has as much of a chance of having standalone value if he doesn't get, like, a major role, because I would expect Hines would get more of a pass-catching role, even, even though Wilkins caught pass as well, too. I think Hines is, like, the safer play there to, like, get, get you something. And then Frank Reich today was talking up, uh, you know, Turbo Bob Rob Rob Turbin over there. So you <laughs> <laughs> calling him a three down back. That's not happening. But you know, the, the, muddying the waters even more. SpongeBob. You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, we we're we're gonna move on from here, John. Uh, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? We we know it's not a diamond ring. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I gave this one some thought. And I'm going with the Stanley Cup. Oh. Everywhere you go, everybody's happy and, like, pumped to see you. There's always, like, a big party going on. All the beer you can handle being thrown at you. Everybody wants to touch you. Everybody's excited about you. And you got that dude, your own personal butler. He's got the (laughs) white gloves. He's wiping you down, keeping you clean, putting you in that nice, like, velvet case there, you know, transporting you around. So I, I I think that would be a good life to, to live for a year. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think see that, a lot of interesting places.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best answer we've gotten so far. Nicely done. I, I would say, for me personally, like, I just couldn't do it. I mean, there's there's entirely too many people uh, touching me, too many mouths on <laughs> me, too many different liquids going in me. Like, it's just, it's, no, I, I just it's couldn't. It's a party, though, man. It's a party. <laughs> Got to roll with it. There There would quite literally be a party in in my cup oh jeez. um <laughs> <laughs> moving on from there redraft do i have to like either Devonte parker or kenny stills i know everyone talks about the great value stills is in the ninth but yet his adp hasn't risen so no one really likes his value if his adp isn't climbing right so this is an interesting question here you know ah geez i mean i like both these guys can we just like both of them like i think you know, I don't like the Miami offense, but I think if you're looking for mid-round dudes, I mean, I, I, I like them both. What do you got?
2: I, I, I like them both too. I, I'm totally on board with you there. That um, I wrote up Stills as, you know, a, a dynasty by low primarily this offseason because in FFPC startups, he's going in like the 14th and he's going behind oh my a my. bunch of guys that, you know, are older than him and have been worse than him. And it's, to me, it's kind of a head scratcher. It's like, you know, Landry left. There's more targets available. Like he's already been better than a lot of these guys. And, and Albert now Wilson he is should not get more opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Albert <laughs> Wilson and Danny Amendola are not getting targeted 160 times between them this year. Not you know. Them. So um, I, I I love Stills this year. I mean, he's uh, he finished last year as like the wide receiver 25 or something, and now he's his ADP is the wide receiver 47 in MFL 10s and uh, wide receiver 54 over on draft. I mean, it's like, you know, if, even if all he does is repeat last year, he'll smash his ADP, you know? And if he gets more targets and does even better, then, like, forget about it. You know, I I did the best ball bargain hunting piece, you know, looking at, like, you know, where he's cheapest. And FP, FFPC and draft, he's even cheaper than MFL 10. So, like, you know, you're saying, oh, in the ninth round. But, I mean, he's he's even cheaper. I've gotten him in the 13th recently over in an FFPC draft. And that, that just feels like stealing to me. As far as Parker goes, you know, uh, I wasn't high on Parker, but you know, I'm sitting there and you watch him dropping these drafts like down into the ninth round sometimes. And it's like, you know, you look at his 2016; he was actually pretty good and pretty efficient. He just didn't have the volume to really do anything. You know, he's being overdrafted, so so everybody's been burned by him at some point. But I mean, you know, th- there's no reason if, if he can stay healthy, and that's always the big if, and that, that's a lot of players who say, "Well, if he can stay healthy," but like, you know, there's plenty of guys who we say that about, and then they do have a healthy year. So, um, I think at his current ADP, like, there's no reason not to take a shot on Parker. You know, with Landry gone, uh, you know, in this bed, the, the Dolphins defense does not look good. They are not one that I'm on for sure. So, uh, you know, Dolphins are theoretically gonna have to throw it a lot. You know, they got a new OC in there who said, you know, hey, we're gonna run more no huddle. We're gonna we're gonna try and pick up the pace. Um, why the hell not? You know, even if you don't like Ryan Tannehill, if, if the volume's there, he's getting the targets. You know, it doesn't take much, you know, in that round to, to really break out. So, um, you know, you've been burned by him before, but a lot of people were burned because they were drafting him in the fourth or the fifth. Now he's in the ninth. So why the hell not?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kenny Stills, I and see, you have to pay a tax for Parker over Stills, so that's why majority of the people will take Stills. Stills, I totally get it, right? And it makes perfect sense to take Stills. Love, Love Stills there. I mean, but I... Jeez, I'm paying the tax on Parker because I think the dude is... I mean, he just has the profile to break out here. Like, he's had some motivational issues. He's had some, whatever, concentration issues, all that with the the wide receiver camps. And it just hasn't worked out. But, I mean, his profile... His collegiate profile profile was no, nothing other than spectacular. I mean, the dude literally pulled down a forty six percent domino rating, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, he broke People out at 19, that. yeah, he, he broke out at nineteen. If anybody's going to be that breakout this year, I I think it's Devonte Parker. And the more and more I look at this offense, and it's like I realize this after I traded Ryan Tannehill to Charles K. in RDL <laughs> and. <laughs> I, I low-key and am really starting to buy into Miami, right? I just think they're going to have more concentrated volume to the wide receivers between Parker and Stills. I think Gasecki is going to be one of those, you know, uh, I guess, anomalic tight ends that does kind of hit the scene early. And Drake is just going to be, you know, all all engaged in volume and catches out of the backfield because, quite frankly, as you mentioned, Gabe's script. wise is he going to have to? So, I just low-key, I'm, I'm buying these targets because they're all cheap.
2: I, I do want to throw in my, my favorite still stat that I came across when I was looking at him, that of the receivers since the year 2000, in their age 21 through 25 season, he is the number one most efficient receiver there as far as fantasy points over expectation. Wow. I mean, that's higher than Odell Beckham, Larry Fitzgerald, Randy Moss, Julio Jones. Kenny Stills is number one. Now, obviously, I don't think he's better than those guys. But, I mean, like, to, to, to be number one on that list tells you a little bit something about him. He hasn't just been compiling stuff. He hasn't just been, you know, a little bit good. He's actually been really good, you know, over time. I mean, so if if you give him decent volume, I, there's no reason to think that he can't, you know, have a good season. He hasn't just been kind of, like, middle of the road. He's He's been super efficient, super good. So, I mean, you know, I think there's there's, you know, that's over a large sample of seasons. So um, uh, he's, he's only going to be 26 years old this year. Why, why the heck not? You know, why why can't he break out a little extra and, and, and go big? I, I see no reason he can't.
1: Well, we are absolutely caping up for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> feels dirty, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it feels so freaking dirty. So naturally, we're <laughs> moving into the fuck, Mary kill, of course. So here's the value wide receiver edition. We've got Chris Hogan, Nelson Aguilar, and Randall Cobb.
2: Okay, so I'm going to fuck Chris Hogan. If he stayed healthy last year, he would be primed for a big season. You know, he was looking good. Now you got Edelman suspended for four games. Um, you know, Cooks is out of there. Amandola's out of there. Uh, you know, the other wide receivers on the roster, Malcolm Mitchell, Kenny Britt, like nobody there really scares me, you know, as far as targets go. Um, you know, Gronk was healthy all last year. Maybe he's not this year. Who the heck knows? Uh, so I, you know, Hogan, if he had stayed healthy, he would have been great. We'll see. I just, if the Edelman suspension drives his price up too high, I'd worry about it. But in recent drafts, he hasn't been that expensive yet. So uh, I'm still going with him on, on buck. I think he, he could really be hot. Uh, Mary, I'm going with Randall Cobb. He's been kind of disappointing, but you know, he, he's gotten targets. You know, I mean, and he, you know, Jordy's gone. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Uh, there's no reason he can't be a value where he's being drafted right now. He's too cheap. Uh and kill, I'm going with Nelson Aguilar. Uh the Eagles are good, but I kind of feel like maybe they're playing a little over their heads last year. You know, maybe the league will figure him out a little bit. Outside of his touchdowns, you know, he and Cobb had pretty similar stats last year. You know, he he had a better yards per reception or whatever, but you know, he also had Carson Wentz throwing to him, you know, as opposed to Cobb who, you know, a lot of the season had a bunch of bums. So, um I kind of feel like, you know, Cobb has a better chance to really improve on last year, whereas Aguilar I think there's a better chance, hey, you know, if he doesn't score, you know, he had a pretty high T D rate last year. If he if he doesn't repeat that, he could actually take a step back.
1: Wrote of his fam. Jeremy Hart wrote of his radio. Let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long, high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or superflex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just thirty-five dollars jump into a slower live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty Leagues with entry fees starting at just $77 and going up to $2,500. Here is something incredible. Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Do not miss the FFPC experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, jumping right back in here, John. We've got best ball, uh, tight end premium. Is there any merit to taking Tyler Croft at this point with Tyler Eifert? Uh, Health not looking so great as a tight end three. I'm thinking maybe he might carry more value now than the likes of Ricky Seals Jr., Vance McDonald, or even Ben Watson. So uh, i got to say this sounds very reminiscent to our uh, friends over at the FFPC, tight end premium here, deep drafts. What do you got?
2: Yeah, so I've been taking Croft in some FFPC best balls that um, and those they're deep enough that uh you can even pair them with Eifert if Eifert drops fa- far enough and you want to take a gamble on him, um say hey I'm going to take Eifert and then I'll take Croft in the mid twenties if you know he's not always lasting that long but sometimes he is uh and you know as a standalone option I think he's fine too you know I probably prefer like uh you know Vernon Davis over him if I'm taking one of these kind of backup backups to, like, the injury-riddled guys. You know, he's Jordan Reed's backup, Vernon Davis, but I can see him having more standalone value than Croft, but I think Eifert's more likely to miss time. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Croft's worth taking, and obviously if Eifert misses time, you know, he's going to shoot right up in ADP. Very good. You know, another guy,
1: and I, I think he's still too deep, even for FFPC best balls, but just any deep roster. Like, if it's a 16-person, it, it's not going to be there, but, I mean, the... One guy, deep, 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 that I keep, I can't get my eyes off, John, is, is Ryan Null in Chicago. And I, he's going to be a running back. I guess the reason he's signed in Chicago is because they're going to keep him at running back. And I don't know if that's what's going to actually happen. If it's just going to be a running back in name or if he ends up... Um, in a, an H back type role, and maybe he ends up getting a tight end designation across the platforms. I'm not sure, but I mean, when you take a look at his, you know, his his production profile, uh, you know, some of his his comparable stats there. I mean, it from a running back perspective, he, it doesn't look like he can't do anything that Jordan Howard is already doing. And he's the new coaching regime's guy, right? So, I mean, I think this might be an opportunity for him to potentially even just make Jordan Howard just, just moot at this point. And, you know, I don't want to say he's going to adversely impact Trey Burton, but I mean, I think this dude, and who knows, he could just be a camp body at this point, right? I mean, that's that that's the likes of Hub Arkish here in local Chicago sports, who normally doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about half the time. But but I mean, I I'm just I'm looking at a guy like that that you know you're swinging for the fence, Ryan Null. I mean, if you've got oh you know a 20th round pick, he's the type of guy. Am I crazy?
2: Um, a maybe. little, a yeah. little. <laughs> he, he wasn't really on my radar too much to be honest, but um. You know, again, in the FFPC drafts, you go a lot deeper. You know, so, so it's, it's worth looking at guys, you know, that in an MFL 10, you wouldn't be considering that, um, you know, one of my FFPC best balls last year, you know, I won it because I, 28th round, I picked up Kenyon Drake. You know, I mean, so, I mean, there, there's guys that, you know, in MFL 10s, he, he basically wasn't being drafted. So you, you get deep there where you say, hey, you're taking a guy who, you know, last year Drake was like, you know, hey, he's a backup. You know, it's like it was basically, hey, if Ajayi gets hurt, he might get the, you know, might be the start. I mean, Damian Williams technically was the first guy. He was like third on the depth chart, and then he ended up, you know, being a league winner because he had huge weeks towards the end. So, yeah, those deep drafts, you never know.
1: You know you you really got it. You are a football guy. When you don't say Ajayi, you say Ajayi. Like, (laughs) you know the correct pronunciation of Ajayi, and that's just (laughs) – that's I gotta say. So, okay, top three video games of all time, top three serials.
2: Uh, top three video games is a tough one because I'm a gamer. I've played a ton of games, so I'm gonna go old school, original NES Legend of Zelda, dope Ooh. game, just just fantastic. Uh, middle, middle, uh, you know, gaming, you know, a little bit after. Actually, this is probably like around the same time, but it was on a computer. There's a game called uh, S- uh, Star Control. Probably not a lot of people have heard of Star Control and Star Control 2. These were amazing, dope games for the computer. There might be like two people who listen to this that are going to be like, oh, shit, I remember that game. It was amazing. <laughs> um, as an adult, the game that has held my attention the longest, that uh, I probably played for probably close to a decade, would be Dota slash Dota 2. That, um, you know, just, you know, it, it really invented the MOBA genre. You know, League of Legends is kind of a copy of that and everything. Um, it's the one that kind of started it all. They've got you know huge prize prize pools in the esports scene. You know the international prize pool last year was like 26 million or something like that. I mean just just a great fun, well balanced and grossing game that I don't have time to play anymore. But <laughs> just just really love it. Top three cereals. Uh, I'm gonna be pretty boring here because I grew up with like not allowed to eat the sugary cereals. So I was always a big Cheerios and Wheaties guy. But when I did eventually get a chance to eat the uh, sugary cereals, Golden Grams all the way.
1: Oh, Golden Grams is low key one of the best cereals of all time. All right,
2: it's a, it's solid man. Good texture, good uh, good crunch, good sweetness. I like the shape, just just fantastic.
1: Is there anything better than a bowl of Golden Grams with some with some banana sliced in there? The, the oh snack. yeah, but nice. so my kids don't like sliced banana in their cereal. They're not my oh. kids. They're not mine. I don't know whose they are. They could be the milkmans. I don't know whose they are, but they're not mine if they don't like sliced cereal. Like I grew up with, you know, just eating like sliced strawberries and bananas
2: in a bowl of milk. Right? Did you do that? I I definitely had the maybe not the strawberries but bananas, yeah, no doubt.
1: It's like unheard of. Now actually when I think back like what the hell was my mom doing john like (laughs) we used to just spoon white mass-produced sugar into that bowl of banana and milk right and like there'd just be like a layer of sugar at the bottom of that bowl and it was like the favorite part of the bowl right now like i just throw up in my mouth thinking about all that nasty sugar i was actually eating well, so you know
2: did. what, but we were, we were outside, we were running around, we were playing, we weren't, uh, you know, playing that many video games, you know. Uh, you know, we were trying to, but they were, they were kicking us out of the house and telling us not to come back till the sun went down. So you, need, you needed all that sugar energy there.
1: Now it's the summertime and I can't get my damn kids off of Fortnite for crying out loud. <laughs> get your asses out of the house. Go play with a stick. I don't care what you do, just get out of here.
2: Yeah, even if you're hitting each other with the stick, just, just go do it, you know?
1: <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Dynasty, Mike Evans or Juju, Royce Freeman in a 2019 second.
2: You know, I don't even like Royce that much, but I do like Juju. And, you know, throwing that extra second, I, I feel like that's just too good value to pass up. I'll, I'll take the package. Dynasty,
1: uh, Devontae Parker or Jamison Crowder?
2: That's tough. I mean, you made the, the arguments for Devontae earlier of, you know, why he's probably being undervalued. And I think that, you know, Crowder is a bit of a safer pick. So I'm going to kind of hedge my bets here. I'm going to say in leagues with shallow starting lineups where you really, you know, you're not starting marginal depth guys. You really want like a superstar, you know, in every slot that in a shallow league, shallow starting lineups, I'm going to go Devontae. And deeper leagues, I'm going to say Crowder because a guy like Crowder, you'd be starting him on a regular basis. You only got like a few starters or whatever. Uh, Crowder's not necessarily a guy that's going to be cracking your starting lineup all the time. And I don't know if he has that upside for that. Maybe, maybe not. Devontae probably has that higher ceiling. So I'm, I'm going to say it depends on the, the depth of your league.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It's also the construct of your team, right? Like, if you can afford a swing and miss, and I don't think Parker's a miss at this point, but, I mean, you, you nailed it. If you need the steady week-to-week production, Crowder Crowder's going to be your guy there. Uh, dynasty Demarius Thomas or a two thousand eighteen
2: one dot I still like Demarius. I mean, he could you know go the Des Bryant route where after this year, like you know he's just falling off the radar, but he could be rejuvenated with the, his first real quarterback in a while. And I, I feel like there's a big tier break here right around the one twelve uh, in rookie drafts that you know you're gonna have those top eight running backs gone, and then you're probably gonna have DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk like probably the next three guys going. And the the wide receivers after that, I mean, I like some of them. Michael Gallup, you know, could be good in Dallas. Cortland Sutton, yeah, he's going to take a year, and maybe then then he'll be the guy in Denver, but we don't know. Um, There's just too many question marks, so I'd probably take Demarius. The only thing that changes that equation, uh, Superflex, it's a strong QB class. I mean, I'd take the 112 there in a heartbeat because you're going to have either quarterback there or you're going to have some of those other earlier guys get Mm -hmm. pushed down into that slot. Um, tight end premium makes it a little bit tougher because I do like a sickie. so like you know uh, he's a guy who might not be there you know at the 202 or 203. You might need to use the 112 to get him and at that point it's like okay, you know if you do want to get you know the only like really good looking tight end with immediate opportunity in this class, then you know i might say hey you know depending what i'm going for this year if i'm trying to win now or if i can afford to to wait a year on a tight end then i might trade you know i might uh, go with the, the 112 to pick him up over Demarius.
1: yeah uh nicely nicely said there i think it's like when you look at it can you really trade Demarius thomas in a vacuum for christian kirk or Cortland sutton the you know what i mean it's you need a little bit more there i mean i Look, if you want to take Gasecki there, like he does make it to two two, two three, maybe two four, depending on the draft that you're in. Um, you know, I think is just gonna of course beast like you know, jump right into that upper echelon of tight ends within the next couple of years here. So I'm fine if you want to do it for Gasecki. but other than that, I would just hang on to, to Thomas as well. Uh, redraft are there any quarterbacks you're willing to take early last season? I found myself Taking Russell Wilson in the seventh, but of course the the emergence of more young guys, high floor vets. Okay, so you you mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota. So where have you generally been pulling him down? Is there anybody else? Uh, last week we had a similar question. I I had Drew Brees, but I mean, you know, I just yeah, I I just can't do it. I don't know. I I'm just taking Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. They they just go so stinking late.
2: Yeah, that, that middle tier, I mean, it does feel like there's a lot of QB value there this year. Cause even, I even like some of the late guys, like James Winston's going like QB 20 or 20 something. And I feel like there's a good shot this year that, that, you know, he, he's going to have a good year. He's got a lot of weapons there. And last year he was banged up. There's no reason he, he can't have a good year. Yeah, it's, it's tough that, um, you know, Mariota, he's going QB 14. The good thing is you generally don't have to reach for him. Um, I think one spot I really like grabbing him too is on draft where people don't, Pay attention to the fact that over there it's uh, 25 yards per point for passing versus 20 yards in NFL tens and other formats, um, and that makes a big difference. It really kind of makes you know the rushing work for the quarterbacks more valuable, uh, you know, relative to their peers. You know, I, I love taking the rushing quarterbacks over on draft, but uh, the one guy I'm targeting, you know, pretty much everywhere um, is Cam Newton. That uh, he's I wrote him up early in the off season. It's like, hey, he's being taken at the end of the eighth round, you know that a d p is sure to go up. you know he was being taken right around that same a d p last year, and he had a good year, not a great year, but a good year, and he had like a twelve point three percent win rate you know in m f l tens which you know eight point eight point three percent is a break even point, so i mean he he had a fantastic year, you know uh you know for a quarterback in m f l tens and yet he didn't even have an amazing year like like compared to his other years that he's had recently. You know where he he was you know really balling out. It wasn't even that great for him, and he's going to go into next year with better receiving weapons. You know, I mean, instead of Greg Olson, he had Ed Dixon most of the year last year, right? They traded away Kelvin Benjamin. Now you know some could argue that's addition by subtraction, but uh, you know, Devin Funchess is still young. I mean, who who knows? You know, but he's still going to be there. You got DJ Moore coming in. I mean, I just think that um, you know, there's no reason Cam can't repeat what he did last year. And he's being drafted around the same spot. I mean, it just, it, it seems like free money there. So if I, if I'm grabbing an early quarterback, it's generally going to be him, you know, where, you know, that that's right. End of the eighth, beginning of the ninth is right around when the QBs start going, especially in FFPC draft. He, he's actually going earlier there. Um, But th- those runs go, go hot and heavy in those drafts. So, I mean, if you, the difference between grabbing a guy early and grabbing a guy late, you know, can, can make a pretty big difference. It's like, Hey, like, Oh, I'll just wait for a late guy. Well, you might only end up waiting around and then find out that you got to take a guy because almost everybody's gone and you're going to be stuck rostering five, you know, quarterbacks because you're not sure if anything we're going to start. So, um, so he, he's my guy. I've Been targeting.
1: If you can change one thing about yourself, what would it be?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with uh, my uh, procrastination. That I procrastinate way too much, and if I changed that then I could get around to fixing all the other shit I gotta change about myself. <laughs> so I think that's like kind of a catch all that. I change that, that takes care of everything else.
1: I procrastinate so hard, I tell myself I do my best work when I procrastinate. <laughs> that that's the lie you tell yourself, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, lightning round, here we go. Better season. Uh Dion Lewis, Sony Michelle.
2: I hate myself for saying this, but I'm gonna say Sony Michelle. Just oh, Patriots boy. offense and We'll see what happens. Tevin Coleman or Lamar Miller? Uh, I wrote up Lamar Miller as a value. He's uh, the only thing Tevin Coleman has had over him the past couple of years is touchdowns. You know, Miller's had more yards. I mean, he seems boring and unsexy, but, like, he's been doing it. And Foreman's Achilles, you know, who the hell knows? Uh, I'm going with Lamar.
1: Same. Devin Funches or Sammy Watkins?
2: Uh, I'm still a Sammy believer, and uh, I like DJ Moore. I think he's going to cut into Funchess' work. I'm going with Sammy
1: same Doug Baldwin or Adam Thielen
2: this is a tough one I think I'm going with Dougie here because I love Russell Wilson they say they're going to try and run it I don't think that's necessarily true because I think their defense is going to be worse and they're going to have to throw it a decent amount um and with the quarterback change in Minnesota you you just never know who the new QB is going to latch on to you know I love Cousins but maybe throws it more to Kyle Rudolph maybe you know Diggs is great I think you know maybe Diggs gets more targets you know so uh I think that's a real close one, but I'm going with Dougie.
1: Yeah, it's dug by a hair for me just because it's pure necessity, right? I mean, you know, I think the gap between Dougie and and Lockett is much larger than the gap between Thielen and, and Diggs. So that, that's the only reasoning there for me. Um, take a favorite or popular movie, John. Change one letter in the title. What is the new plot?
2: All right, so one of my favorite movies in the last several years, Mad Max Fury Road, Everybody should see that. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Fantastic movie. I'm adding another R, making it Mad Max Furry Road. And it's just, it's the same movie except with furries.
1: <laughs> it's basically uh, along the side of the road, right? Like, it's just a whole bunch of bunny rabbits. Now, that's what thats what I get. When you said Furry Road, like, it's just a bunch of bunny rabbits that are somehow <laughs> mixed into the storyline.
2: So I, I was know. I was picturing the furries like the people you know uh in the big you know mascot suits or whatever you know <laughs> those people so like it's it's just the same movie except all the characters are dressed in like big you know animal mascot suits running around Mad, Mad Max Batshit cr- Crazy is what it
0: turns into.
1: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> oh, nicely done! I like it. All right, Dynasty. I'm in need of some cheap wide or res- uh, running back production. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me, bleh, for my RB2 flex. Who can I target for cheap as a uh, maybe a 2019 second at the most, preferably
2: a third. If you're going really cheap, um, and this goes back to me not being a huge Royce Freeman believer. I think he might be kind of a system running back. I could be wrong. He could smash. So You know, smarter people than me have, have been on him lately. But um, I think Devontae Booker is a guy you can probably get cheap. You know, you might be able to get him for a third. That, uh, you know, everybody's kind of assuming Freeman's going to go in there and, and take over. Um, but Booker, you know, he might have a role. You know, he's going to start camp. You know, they're saying he's going to start camp as primary guy. And, you know, maybe he puts it together. Who knows? Um, he's cheap. And, you know, I, I'd give him a shot. Uh, for a second, I'm um, you know Lamar Miller. You know uh, I'm a believer in Dante Form, but I'm not sure about that killies. So, uh, you might be able to find somebody who's down on Lamar Miller and pull him for a second. That's who I'd probably be targeting.
1: Oh man, I'm gonna go out in every single one of my leagues and offer up a second for Lamar Miller because I'm all in on Lamar myself over here as well. Oh boy, if somebody gives me a second, I am just gonna jump off the roof twice. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be over. Yeah, what's interesting now, right, because we've had the turnover at the position, normally my MO was to kind of make trades for guys that are over that age curve, so to speak, for cheap, right? And you really don't have those guys at the running back position now. Like C.J. Anderson, you know, I guess that's fine. Marshawn Lynch, you know, I think that's fine. But, you know, you're not going out and making a trade for Frank Gore and, you know a couple of years ago you could trade a third for Frank Gordon it was fine but now like they're just you know there isn't a market for those guys because they're just not there
2: anymore there's there's been a huge influx of running back talent and um you know looking you know I'm I'm going to publish soon uh, I did last year to look at like you know showing that last year's running back class was the best one in years well well this one's like right behind it you know, that we went through some really lean years of just shitty running back classes where, like, maybe there's a couple guys up top, but, like, like the rest of the class is just, you know, as far as draft position goes, their, um, their prospect lab scores, which really looks at, you know, the production athleticism, they just weren't great classes. And now we've got two really good ones in a row. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of saturating the position a little bit more where it's, I think, you know, you see these running backs going early, and everybody's like, oh, man, you know, You know, are the RB prices being inflated? It's like, yeah, they are to a degree, but there's also a decent reason for it. I think there's, you know, if you look at the average age of like the running backs here and like where they were drafted and everything like that, I think you've got more, you know, high capital running backs, you know, in charge of these backfields now than you did in years past. And, you know, they're just better. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I a couple more guys I'd add to that list: Chris Thompson, Sexy Rexy, Rex Burkhead. But you know what, John? You like you know what I notice when I personally try to go out and get these guys? Like it, it's easy for us to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, go go get this guy." But generally, somebody that's rostering Chris Thompson already or Rex Burkhead, like they're savvy dynasty owners, right? And, and yeah. I I can't get either one of them for a third. That's for damn sure. And it's really, am, am I willing to give up a second for him? And, like, I think if I'm right there, I'm, I'm fine doing it if, if I'm in the hunts right. But, you know, once you get into the second, like, I get it, the hit rates are bad. They're even bad in the first round of Dynasty picks. But, like, you can still pull something down from the second round that just really, really turns for your team. So I just, I struggle at that point. So those guys, hypothetically, would you do it there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the type of thing of, um, you know, I, I think looking at the last few drafts too, it's like the difference between an early second and a late second is usually kind of big. That like the early second round, like you got a lot of hits and then like the late second you don't. So, you know, you kind of have to look at, you know, the, the second, uh, second rounder you're trading for or trading away when you're evaluating that versus like the running back you're trying to get, you know?
1: Yep, absolutely. All right. Um... Here we go. Your most successful hot take ever and, of course, your biggest whiff. Uh,
2: you know, I, I just started really, you know, writing last year, really publishing my takes, you know, a, a, around this time last year, a little bit earlier than this, I think. And, um, you know, one of the guys I touted was Joe Williams. That was a miss quite clearly. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm not going back on that. You know, I'm uh, or I am going back on that as far as, like, I, I'm done with him. Uh, I like Matt Breda. To to keep that backup role in San Francisco, um, for now. So that was a pretty bad take. And then um, I said to fade Deshaun Watson, and that's not looking too hot so far. Uh, You know, I just saw him go in a in a dynasty startup as the overall QB one there. Um, I kind of questioned that move myself, but still, like that, that just shows you where his value went. And I was saying, yeah, you know, I don't know about this guy. So that that, that's not looking too great. Uh, My my. Biggest uh, successful hot take was I was touting Todd Gurley last year. And I was drafting a lot of Todd Gurley, and that ended up being a pretty good thing. I was just saying, hey, he's got no competition for touches over there. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting what he ended up doing. Nobody could have expected the Rams would do that. But um said, so, hey, he literally has no competition for touches. He's going to get such insane volume. All he needs is a little bit better efficiency. He's going to smash ADP.
1: Todd Gurley didn't suck last year. He was pretty good. Pretty, He's decent. all right. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right, last but not least, your two early sizzling hot take for the 2018-2019 season.
2: I'm going to go Ronald Jones finishes as a top three rookie running back, which isn't blazing hot, but, you know, based on general consensus right now, I think most people would have him further down. I I, I like him, and uh, I think Barkley is probably going to be, you know, the top guy. Um, And, you know, Geis or Penny will probably be in there somewhere, but uh, I I like Rojo, and I think that uh, a lot of people are sleeping on him. He's young. He was good. You know, they've been talking a lot of smack about him sharing the backfield with Barber, but I think, uh, you know, he's going to go out there and be explosive and and force his way into touches.
1: Boom. There it is. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotovis podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV mailbag, you can submit it via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter at rotovisradio. Use the hashtag RVmailbag. John, my man, thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any last-minute plugs?
2: Uh, No, just keep watching out for my uh, dynasty and best ball work on Rotovis. That, uh... I've been uh, publishing pretty hard this off season so far. I'm going to try and do some more, you know, as the uh, as we get closer to the season.
1: Good deal. All right, and be sure, everyone, to follow him on Twitter. That's FF underscore ski ball. And, folks, this this is seriously one of the wisest dudes you're going to listen to and read over at rotaviz.com. So make sure you hit that follow button. Do yourself a favor. And please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotovis Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotovis Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotevizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Roteviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on roteviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I have seen the night
2: told the wife what I wanted, she ordered through Amazon, I opened the box, so, <laughs> it's kind of just early by default, She's like, well, there you go, Want this set up, I was like, alright.
1: That's how all gift giving is these days, and I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way, like, I don't, I don't need to be surprised, I mean, you know, like our, our like my mother-in-law, like, what do you want, oh, just give me cash, or, you know, if you're going to yeah. give me something, give me a check, well, well you're not going to have anything to open, like, no, I just, I just, you know. I don't care. Like, yeah. You know, I don't need any of that other stuff. I mean, it's almost like today has, I don't want to say it dumbed us down, right? But, I mean, it has, in a sense, allowed us to, I guess, forget some of the the, the things that used to excite us back in a different world a long time ago. I, I don't know. It's like an emotion. Like, like, getting,
2: like getting that unknown, like, you know, like getting an unknown gift, like, oh, wow, this is cool, you know, as far, rather than getting exactly what you want. You know, like that surprise of like not knowing what you're getting.
1: Mm-hmm. And now, right, I, I get a notification on my phone after you know I confirmed my order. Now, of course, it's on one touch, right? Like just one touch. Yeah. Like oh my gosh! And, and so then I get the notification that it has shipped. I get the notification that it's in delivery, and then of course I get a picture notification of it sitting on my doorstep, which is amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. I mean, uh, you know, we use, um, my wife and I, we use like the Amazon wish list. We do that with like our family and stuff too for like Christmas and everything. It's like, you got everything on there. I see what people want. I go there. I click it. It shows up my house. I'm not spending like all this time dicking around in a mall or something like that. Like, <laughs> looking, oh, what do they want? They get us some bullshit they don't even want, you know, and then they got to return it. It's like, I know exactly what they want. It's there. I click a button. It shows up. You know, uh, I'm down with that.
1: <laughs> what, what is a mall? I mean, I actually took my kids to a mall yeah. just to, to take them to, to the food court because I, I wanted the, the old steak and fry company. Remember that place? <laughs> oh, man. So I, t- I, t- I took them there and I took them to the, the indoor playground place. And it was just like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, you got to walk half a mile to get from one store to the next store versus just driving to the parking lot. Like, whoever invented the outdoor mall, right? Like, good idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really weird being in there now. Like, I've been to a mall to go shopping. I I can't think how long since I've had to go to a mall to, like, actually buy something. It's it's (laughs) just like, what's the point, you know?
1: Oh, jeez. And now even, even even all of the malls, the outdoor mall. I mean, Amazon's just eating everybody up. It's just...
2: Oh, man, yeah. Under- definitely. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? Amazon's, like, now opening, like, some brick-and-mortar stores, too, of, like... Like you could go in and buy stuff or whatever where it's like coming full circle now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for, for most stuff, it's like, why am I go shopping where they have a limited selection and generally higher prices to you're paying rent to be in that mall versus like I can not leave my house and get it at a cheaper price to get exactly what I want rather than just what they have stuck. It's, you know, it's kind of like Uber taking over taxes. Like once people say, Hey, wait, this business model is a million times better. It's like, yeah, you know, taxes are still hanging on in some places. But, it's you know they're not going to be around the way they currently are you know thirty years from now I mean everything might be self drive by then anyway but I mean mm-hmm. you're not going to have like taxes in the traditional sense anymore you know because everybody's seen the light and said well, what, what the hell's the point you know why why would I get a tax. You know, it's funny,
1: my coworkers always yell at me because we go out and on a business trip together, and, and of course the company is, is cheap AF now, right? So like we used to have yeah. cars, you used to be able to get your own car, nope, now you get a carpool with people who live 3,000 miles away from you, you got to figure out how to coordinate your travel and your flights and all that, like even though you work for yeah. a Fortune 50 company or whatever, but then you land and then everybody kind of fights over who's not going to order up the Uber And it's never me. I'm not putting Uber on my phone app. It's just not African. Like, I will call down a taxi because I know Uber could just be anybody. I mean, there's no... Until I know the vetting is in place, there's some sort of certification process. Like, I know the rating system is what it is. There's Black Mirror 101 for you. But it's just something... I don't know. I, I can't get on board with it. I end up riding somebody else in Uber. But I just... Until it is self driving, I just want not
2: stinking
1: a taxi. I don't know.
2: Well well here's the thing, like if I was driving you know, if I'm on company time or whatever and the company's paying for it then I I don't give as much of a shit. But to me, you know, when I've used taxis in the past, like before Uber was around I mean, these guys are always pulling shenanigans. Oh, oh, my credit card machine doesn't work. Oh, you know, start the meter, like, at random times or whatever. So, I mean, if it's coming out of my pocket, and I'm going to be paying, uh, literally, like, a lot of times for the taxi, it's going to be, like, twice what an Uber costs. And it's going to take, like, if you're going from an airport, to that's another thing. You know, if you're going from an airport, like, a, a specific taxi destination, you know, that that's totally different. But, I mean, if you're getting... If I need uh, transportation, like if I want to go out for a drink or something like that, you know, I, nowadays, I, if I am to have a couple things, I do not drive. You know, I don't even want to mess around. Even I don't think I'm going to be able to leave a limit, but if I want to go from my house out to somewhere, if I call the cab, it would probably take a half hour to get here. It would be a lot more expensive. And then good luck, you know, like I, I've had cabs call and dispatch them, tells you they're coming. Sometimes they just don't show up. Especially like late at night when they're trying to get one back and they're like, Oh yeah, the cab's coming, the cab's coming. Then they never come. Uber, I go on my phone. I mean, generally I do it. uh, I'm out in the middle of the burps, but I mean, I almost never have to wait longer than like five, six minutes for one to pick me up. And then like sometimes I'll get one. It's like 70 bucks to get where I'm going, like five miles away. It's just, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it is. It is. I just got to get
1: with the times. You know, a wise man once told me. If, if you're going to be drinking and driving and socializing, and all that jazz, the rule of thumb is never have more drinks than wheels that are on your car. So, <laughs> so if you're having, uh, driving a normal standard car, right? Four drinks throughout the night, not like slam four drinks, right? But they, you're, you're pretty much good. You're, you're driving a motorcycle You're riding a motorcycle too. And I said, well, what happens when you're driving an 18 wheel? Oh, maybe not
2: so hard at all. Shit. I don't remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You would think I would remember these things. I'm bad.
2: I'm Rob Burgundy. I'm...
0: Of a good deal, Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine, polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.